We're uh, we're officially recording again. <laughs> it's been a little while. I started to forget what we talked about in each podcast as we yeah as we went. Well, we started getting like really far ahead in episodes, so we were realizing that we had re- like recorded and we weren't releasing for like six or I think one of them was even like eight weeks. Yeah, and we didn't like that. We're like, we're just, it's like, it feels out of touch. Yeah. I don't know if it comes across that way, but at least in going back to it. Although I was listening to the one that we just released today. Um, what is the date today? The 4th, October 4th. Yeah. And I was, I was listening to that as I was working on, you know, titles and stuff. And, um, and I was, I was surprised by, um, what I had said, I had kind of forgotten some of what we had talked about. Yeah. And it was, um, we were kind of having this interchange together that, um, I think we were both discovering something new. And so it was really good to yeah, go back we and visit that. And for once, it wasn't political, um, <laughs> <laughs> right? But right. it, but it was. Um, I don't know. We were like even today. We were taking a walk down our favorite road here in Spokane, Cherry Lane, and um, and we were just talking about life in Spokane. And so I was reflecting on that podcast because I talked about how the difficulty in leaving one uh, type of work and coming into a new type of work as we moved to Spokane and and just kind of reflecting on that and going, yeah, you did a hard thing, Jess. That was yeah, almost like a good for you. And realizing how far, you know, we've come in all of that journey. So, right. you know, I know it'd been a while. I kind of forgot what that conversation was till I went back and listened to it and then felt like I kept teaching myself something by listening. So it's yeah. good. We kind of jumped right into some, you know, There wasn't serious, much humor. Not like heavy. No, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I'm sorry. Just, okay. Let's talk about drinking. Let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you got to prime my pump, okay? You, you want the goods, you you gotta you gotta prime me first. <laughs> wow, that sounds so bad. <laughs> no, I'm. It's kind of like I was thinking, you know, the emotional stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, because your nine kicks in fairly quick, so we have to make sure that we. Uh, that's right. <laughs> do something to so open the to, gate first. That's right. We have to lower some of those <laughs> barriers, which is why. We start with a drink. <laughs> okay. My bad. Yeah. If you'd like to go back and edit this out so that we can start more traditionally. No, nope, no. Nope, nope. We uh again. We like already we said, went there. We we have not uh we've not been afraid to do that now in this season, their mm-hmm. second season. But we uh I mean I certainly still like it better when we don't. So you know, yeah. we just we just lit the sh- lit the shit. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Let the shit stand is what I was thinking. There we are. <laughs> yeah. You we know, are back let the shit, it. that could be something too. <laughs> Let's make that into something. We'll make t-shirts. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that be great? You know, it was, here's what's really funny. I connected with, um, 
an old high school friend of mine. Can we talk about our drinks? Because I'm coughing. Oh yeah, here yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I need to okay. drink something. So let's just have you taste it, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Because so I don't know what you, this is. Yeah. So cheers to you. Okay, There's a little cheers. clink of the glass. You like that? Yeah. I like it. it. I, I saw you using your little app to uh, conjure up something yeah. with our ingredients. Yeah. So I just basically just popped whatever ingredients are in our fridge and our liquor cabinet, liquor cupboard. Cupboard. Look. <laughs> that small little cupboard yes. above the stove. Yeah. Yes. That one. Um, and uh, and then popped up these random recipes that you can make. This one's called Cowboy Roy. Wow. I don't know where they come up with these names. Like, I don't know, like, if there's, I, I'm sure there's, like, bartender manuals out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're they're full of names of drinks, official names of drinks, and all that kind of stuff. Or people like us just make something up, and they go, ooh, I like that. I'm going to call it I'm gonna something. I'm going to call that Cowboy Roy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's so, in this? Uh, so, this is a vodka rum orange juice drink. Hmm. And it makes way more than I, I mean, I should have known. I know. But I, I, I made us both a drink, and then we have some extra. <laughs> so we'll either be refilling. Right. I think it's we, supposed to be more like a punch. Like you make it like we'll a punch. we'll be recording two podcasts today. And then you, you like, you know, spread it around the party. Well, today, babe, we're the party. <laughs> so, if you need to shut this podcast off now... <laughs> You have permission. No, because then you will miss, miss the, the magic <laughs> that is to come. I'm sure there's magic. I'm mm. sure it's. I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Okay, so okay, your buddy. so I was uh, I was catching up with a with an old high school friend of mine. Like, like seriously, way back when. And Not we, just high school. Did your families live together when you were kids? Right. Yeah, but when I but when I was in high school is what I'm saying. That, I'm saying okay. that far back is what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. we were very very close. He's my best friend. Um, and we were, uh, and we were catching up on all the stuff. He's lived a very different life than mm-hmm. I have. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, yeah, Proof very, that, uh, <laughs> m- more complex, interesting, uh, lives can come out of a little, <laughs> of little Riggins, Riggins, Idaho. Riggins yeah. Idaho. Yeah. Um, anyway, it was, it was very, very fascinating, you know, to, to just be catching up with him and, and talking about it. Well, in the course of that conversation, you know, he very politely asked about my life, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Anyway, I won't, I won't go into. I'm unemployed. Yeah, and I'm unemployed. I do podcasts for we no money. We do some podcasts. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm a realtor now, so I'm going to, I'm going to do that, you know, <laughs> and it's like a, a the, the start over point, right? So, but while I was, the, the point that I'm getting to here <laughs> is I was telling you him about. You asked me to drink and to change my, my like emotional <laughs> mindset here. So I just did. I was telling him that, uh, about this podcast and how we start off with a drink mm-hmm. and then. We laugh and swear a lot, and then, you know, we eventually get into some, you know, real conversation <laughs> and some, some like, heavy-duty stuff and that kind of thing. And as I'm explaining it to him, I'm like, we got to come up with a better pitch, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I like what we're doing. Like, I, I like the yeah. product that comes out of it. <laughs> but when you describe it like that, we drink, we cuss. <laughs> We have deep conversations. <laughs> you know? I I think that could work. I get, maybe that is it. Maybe that's all that needs to be said about this, right? Yeah, we 
you know, tend to laugh a whole lot. Sometimes we get super ranty and political, and sometimes we have deep... Talk about brain surgeries and emotional yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've gone, yeah. like, the whole gamut, so... So anyway, I uh, <laughs> I was just I was thinking about is what is this podcast? Is he the one that keeps hitting my website from Mesa, Arizona? Like the one person in Arizona who's <laughs> listening to our podcast? I can tell when people hit the link. Yeah, because um, you know, it maybe. pops up. Yeah. Oh yeah, maybe maybe he didn't believe me that my life isn't as exciting as his. Ryan, are you listening right <laughs> yeah. now? So he had to he had to go look, <laughs> and he was like, "Shit, they really are boring." <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. See, I thought I'd I'd actually thought that I had lived a, a fairly exciting life. I mean, we've done a lot of things. I mean, we've yeah. talked about that on this show. Um, and we've uh I mean we've experienced a lot of different things, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, you know. And then he started name dropping some of the people that he's met throughout his career and that kind of thing, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> so, but it's uh, it, well, it, lot, okay. But I did sit on the plane next to Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes, you did. Flying from Boise to Phoenix. Yes, you did. I don't know what he was doing in Boise. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing <laughs> in, in economy. In economy class. <laughs> Maybe he was researching a role. <laughs> a role. And I kept trying to get a picture. I need of him. to have a better feeling of poor people. <laughs> so, so I ha I have this thing that I, I you know. Like, it, it's really cool if you meet somebody or see somebody famous, right? And um, you really, oh, gosh, you're like, you want to take a picture, right? Yeah. So, um, but I'm going, but he's he's sitting next to me. Like, you don't just ask somebody who's just trying to fly on a plane, can I take your picture? Like, I, I couldn't do that. It's like, I... <laughs> You're, you have your space. You you know, I'm not going to intrude on that. I'm going to treat you normal and not talk Some to people you. do. I, I Some guess, people are shameless in... I know. And <laughs> I'm just not one of those people. So yeah, instead... Yeah. Instead, I'm trying to... Or we're getting off the plane and he's pulling his stuff down and he's in front of me to walk out the plane. Yeah. I've got my stuff. And so I'm just standing there staring at his back. And I'm like... Well, that doesn't prove anything. I mean, I could get his picture right now, but it doesn't prove anything. And so I'm like, well, I'll just, I'll just kind of follow. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe so I'll turn you around. Stalked and, him. <laughs> I stalked him. But we kept, you know, everybody goes the same direction because you're headed out right. the airport, right? Right. And um, so just before I get to the the exit area, he dodges into the bathroom, and I'm like, dang it, I missed my opportunity. I am not following you into the men's bathroom. But right. yeah, again. Some would. Some would. I have my limits. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, just talking with Ryan, and I was like, you know, he had he had talked about a few, and it, 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 it was not in like a bragging kind of way. I should make that really, really clear. Um, well, You're not, not going anybody... to tell his story for no, you. No, no, no. Oh. No, no, no. I was going to say one thing. Um, and uh, it, he wasn't bragging. He was just, I mean, it was just fun conversation. And I was like, wow, you really met some people. I was like, well, you know, when you meet Arnold Schwarzenegger, then I'll be impressed, you know? And he was like, oh, yeah, we talked for a while. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I fanboyed out. Sean, uh, Sean did, too. too. Yeah. 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 yeah, at Sun Valley. So, That's which right. Which is probably the he, same he place Ryan's on. He sat and had a beer next to him. Yeah, like, they, yeah. <laughs> they chatted for a minute about the, yeah. the hill. So, whatever. You know, 
I, I'm like you. Even like uh, like I'm a huge fanboy for Arnold Schwarzenegger. I you know don't ask me why. Well, you've tried to ask me why before, mm -hmm. and it, I don't think I've ever made it made sense for you. I just am, and I still think if I were to run into him on the street. I would have difficulty going up and asking for a picture or something like that. Yeah. Because I'm just not that type of person. I, I like, like, I respect but people's I privacy say, so much. I regret not doing the little selfie with Jake Gyllenhaal in the plane. Like, I know. Like, you were right? literally in the same, same row. row as yeah, <laughs> it was. <laughs> you had somebody between you, but you we were in the same row. between us. But, in fact, I couldn't see him at first. And so this lady turns to me who's in between us. Yeah. And she goes, do you see who's sitting next to us? <laughs> And I'm like, it's football season. Let me just preface with that. And yeah. uh, BSU was doing really well at the time. And uh, and she's like, right over there. And I couldn't really, like, obviously yeah. go yeah, look, yeah. you know, look around her without being obvious. So I'm like, well, who is it? And uh, and she goes, it's Jake Gyllenhaal. And I'm like, my brain wasn't connecting who it was. And I'm right. thinking, football coach like it was football season everything yep. in Boise was BSU at yep. the time yep. and so my brain went there and I'm like well that's fine I don't know any I don't follow football or anything <laughs> and then when I finally got a look at him I'm like oh shit Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> like oh, you can't that Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal. <laughs> so. I thought it was the other one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well you know that uh you know, maybe some would look at that as opportunities lost, you know? Oh, it was lost. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I look at it as just respecting another human being. Yeah. And not yeah. thinking too much of them. But I wasn't the only one respecting that human being. Nobody talked to him on the flight. I think everybody around there was yeah. like, like starstruck. I mean, I, I That's what starstruck, starstruck. is. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like a, I mean, he's, no, he's a big star, I guess. Yeah, he's yeah. a big star. Uh, he's yeah. not the biggest, but he's, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, who knows what our future holds for us. I'm pretty certain it doesn't hold celebrities. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, I've, I've met a few, but they're celebrities in certain avenues. Right. Um, you know, I've met Shalane Flanagan. And yep. that was really cool. Yep, New York Marathon winner. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Olympic uh, marathoner. Olympic marathoner. And, um, but uh, even then, I didn't ask for the selfie, and I was actually like working like with you're her. Having a conversation I was, like, with her. Yeah, we had orchestrated an interview for her at one of the stores. And yeah. So, um, yeah, it and I didn't take that yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Like I, I just, I you it's were weird. respecting her. I guess so, but I, that would have been a cool picture to have. Like, <laughs> I met her, so, you know. It probably, anyway. probably would have been. Yeah. Been. Uh, I'm okay with uh, with my approach. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with not being that person. Yeah. I'm okay with, with you know, and I and I know, like, you hear from some celebrity. I don't know why the fuck we're talking about this. For this so was long. not what we came here to talk about. <laughs> We're, we're 15 minutes into this talking about okay. celebrities. We got to get on to something. Yeah. Who gives a shit what I think about yeah, celebrities' let's go, privacy? Let's go. Yeah. So, anyway, good drink. Woohoo. See what Cheers I said? Again. We got to loose, we got to prime the pump. Now the pump has been primed. Are you ready so, to get emotional? Ready to get, I don't know about that. Mm. So, we have, um, we've had a, a couple of, I think, uh, I would call them strong episodes, a few strong episodes where we've been pretty opinionated and like, 
you know, saying some things about, you know, current events and mm-hmm. Um, whether it's, you know, BLM or I mean, whether it's it is politics or whatever. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't know how we wouldn't. I mean, I don't know how it's yeah. not on everybody's minds, right? Mm-hmm. And there are people falling on all sides of that. Um, in fact, you know, we, we've been concerned, you know, that as we meet people or as we're talking to people that maybe don't know us very well and that uh, um, as we, you know, as they kind of get to know us and then it comes out that we like to podcast – that all of a sudden we, we don't hear friends. from them anymore. <laughs> That's happened a couple times now. Yeah. And we're like, they must have listened. <laughs> and, you know, there's a part of me where I'm like, that's all right. I mean, if, you know, if if that is like super offensive to them enough so yeah. that they're like, yeah. I don't think they want to be friends with us anymore. Well, it's probably for the best then, right? right. I mean, let's, yeah, that's just, it's fine. And then I mean, there's other people who... um we actually go have beers with. Yeah. You know who you are, Addingtons. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Where our podcast conversations are only the tip of the iceberg of right. the kind of conversations we can have. Right. And we have a riot, like yeah. just having conversations. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, it's, it is what it I is. I think there's, I mean, I, and I think that's a pretty, I mean, of course, it's a normal thing that you, you connect with some people, your ideologies connect, mm-hmm. your you know, your, how you approach life connects, all that kind of stuff. And, and there's, and you have that then with people. And so, um, a lot of times, you know, as we have, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, a lot of times that happens within the context of just, you know, like, like you were just talking about sitting down having beers with somebody or, yeah. or having dinner with somebody or somebody's in your home or something like that. It's a whole lot different when it's in an environment like like, or an environment, a context of a podcast, yeah. right? Where it's just sitting, it's just us talking to each other, but we're sitting behind mics and, and right. then we share that with, with the world. Um, I, I liken it to reading a book versus having a conversation with the author. Yeah. Because the podcasts are the same way. Words suddenly become incredibly powerful. Yeah. Um, in a way, they just kind of echo. Um, and when you're just sitting in someone's living room or sitting across the table, there's a lot going on. There's body language. There's a whole lot yeah. happening. But if you just sit and read someone's words or you or you sit or drive or run or whatever you do to listen to a podcast, um, the words become – it's it's like a, a – like a – I can't have the words. <laughs> <laughs> Not not nope. gonna edit that. Nope. You're not, are you? You're like, yep, she dropped that one. I was just watching that train wreck happen. <laughs> okay. I think my point's been made. <laughs> yes, yes. The words fail us. So, you know, yeah. I, I, I say all of that because of actually leading into our conversation. Yeah. We talked about having a conversation that, by the way, we were starting to have this morning and then we just stopped it at one point. We're like, we should yeah. record this. And so yeah. I, I'm not even sure exactly where we're going to go with this. I have yeah. an idea, but I'm, I'm not exactly sure. But whereas in, you know, whereas our conversations before have been, um, I mean, they've been uh, granted opinionated. I mean, we, mm-hmm. 
we're not holding back on opinions. It's you and I having a conversation with each other. Why yeah. should we hold back our opinions of what we think? You know, we don't. Well, we don't and we need take the risk else. that we won't think that way in a week too. That what yeah. we say, we go, oh, okay. Well, that played out differently yeah. than I expected in life, and and we're not I'm worried in, about everybody yeah. coming along with us. We're no. just we're genuinely. That's the point of this podcast. We're genuinely having a conversation between you and I and working some of this shit out, yeah. right? And unlike Facebook, you can't post and tell me <laughs> something. I mean, you could, but you nobody's could, yeah, done yeah. that. So if you want to, um, I suppose that could happen. I, I don't. Th- th- today's conversation will be pretty political. Um, I, and <laughs> I find it interesting you say that. Well, I'm just saying because. I actually would have used the word, it's going to be pretty personal. I, I don't disagree. Uh, but I, But I believe that that some of what has stirred this up and some of our observations of this playing out on a larger yeah. scale are going to mean that we have to talk about yeah. some current political stuff, namely the debate that just happened. Um, and as I cross my eyes, yeah. And, and take another drink. Um, I've got to catch this. up. This is a problem. <laughs> um, or is this, is this part of your plan? Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I'll stop in a minute. Cause it, you're the one that has done the work on this, and and so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing a lot of just engage, you know, interacting with you on on this. But um, but the it's not it's not political for the sake of being political. Mm-mm. It it happens to be political because we well, we so saw much- it play out. Just let me finish what I'm saying. You can correct me in a second. I don't want to correct you. I want I I I want to I want to timeline this i want to explain something before you say what it is i'm not going to say what it is yet i'm going to let you do that i just wanted to say that the intention for this conversation is that we see a very slowly growing awareness of something that Mm -hmm. is very relevant to people's lives yeah and this part of this conversation being political is because it was a really good example that people will be get will be able yeah. to identify with and hopefully be able to see is is an ongoing kind of thing that's a hell of a lead up man i'm, I'm creating a lot of like this Ooh, tension yeah, ten, yes and the people are like what is it that's what i'm that's what i'm really hoping for right now so mm-hmm. um so why don't why don't you talk just a little bit um about what you have been doing lately, um, mm-hmm. communicating with people about talking on social media, about raising awareness about mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Is that all right to just, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and then I will start guzzling. Yeah. Well, um, w- one of the, the reasons that, uh, gosh, you know, we've talked on this podcast about the year of just and some of the unraveling of, Everything from um, faith to, uh, you know, relationally and stuff. And we haven't gotten too much into our, our personal relationship but um, or deeply into the relationships around us. But, um, but there was a period of time where um, I had to do an immense amount of healing. Um, therapy, life coaches... Uh, friends, support systems, um, right. you know, all kinds of things to to find my way to the other side. And um, it landed in the midst of this uh, 
you know, brain surgeries. So these stories all overlap much of what, you know, if you've been listening to our podcast up to this point, you understand some of that. Um, what has birthed from that is me starting a business in life coaching, right. um, trying to uh, create spaces uh, for women to uh, take a journey similar to what I've taken. Mm. Um, not the exact one. They have a different life than I do. But um, but a journey from um, finding their voice, finding their personal truth of themselves, you know, coming... Um, to a place of confidence uh, about who they are and how they want to move forward. And so in that, there has been, as we talked about in the very first podcast, this need for me to try and identify what it is I specifically want to do with this business. Right. And lots of conversations. Lots of conversation around that. And, um, And I've been really kind of stuck between these seemingly two uh, parallel but not intersecting things that I am now realizing actually do intersect, but is this uh, this processing of uh, faith structures, mm-hmm. um, uh, oppressive faith structures, uh, or programming, um, even uh, theology, and then this other part where it's more of um, personal empowerment of um, you know kind of I want to say it's you know. Faith is personal, but it's it's a little bit different avenue. And if I went down this avenue of um, diving into what I would call religious oppression, um, I saw that my circle of um, outreach or influence or connection with people got really, really small. And I actually feel like the picture, the big picture, is much bigger than this small outreach that marketing would encase. So if I marketed towards that uh, religious oppression, um, it actually only connected with a small group of people, but I knew that this was bigger than that. And um, so recently, I think I found that intersection between the two. And it was in working through something very uh, personal to my own life in how I was going to process this on a more public level but was um, abuse that I have experienced over probably the last, specifically the last eight years. Um, but I, as I have worked to heal through this abuse, I've also seen how it has infiltrated so many other things than just a one-on-one relationship or, a, you know, a group dynamic. It's, it's so much bigger than that. And so that's where this conversation of how does it tie to... Are, are we going to name it? Are... Yeah. <laughs> well, um, for me, this, this was, uh, uh, <laughs> was gaslighting. Um, and I know that this is, I, I hesitate, I guess, using that word because I feel like it's kind of a buzzword in a lot of ways. We've been using it a lot in the past couple of years. Um, it's getting more and more momentum. Um, but it's also a word that we kind of don't understand. Um, but those who have, who ha- are able to identify that they have been part of gaslighting abuse absolutely do uh, are able to identify it. Um, but it's kind of this vague thing out there. I think, I think it's something that we feel like we're grasping the wind for. Um, so I, 
I understand gaslighting to be in just a very, very simplistic kind of way. Um, actions taken by an abuser that cause the person that, that it's focused upon, so that the person that they're abusing, in a sense, to question their very sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like that, that base, right? Mm-hmm. That there will be things going on and the, and the interactions between them make that person just start questioning everything. And to the point where they start questioning reality itself. Like, right. I don't know what's up from down. I don't know what's right from wrong. Right. I don't know if this is my fault. I don't know if this is something being done to me. I don't know. Right. right? Is that, would you say it differently or? I'm sure there's a very um, clinical way. I probably should have pulled that up um, of describing um, gaslighting. Um, but the essence of it is... Uh, a manipulative um, abuse to twist um, twist the circumstances, twist conversation, twist everything to manipulate the reality. To the abuser's uh, benefit. To the b- abuser's benefit. Um, if you then douse that fire with narcissism, it becomes a very uh, destructive um, I mean, gaslighting is destructive on its own, but when you put it in the hands of a true narcissist, it becomes incredibly um, destructive. And so when I started talking um, in my social media, start talking with my clients in terms of writing your own story, taking your pen back, um, I had a friend of mine um, here in Spokane uh kind of make a comment once it sparked this whole thing for me about just don't give anybody your pen. You write your own story. Right. And it really hit me that that is what um, gaslighting, narcissistic gaslighting is, mm. is when someone takes your pen and writes your story for you in a way that you can't connect with and you can't understand. Um, it makes you feel like you're going crazy um, yeah, that's not what, that's not what your, really happened in your life or that's not really what happened to you. This is what happened to right. you. Right. And whether it's a, an instance of a circumstance, you know, you're, you know, this can be relational, this can be workplace. There's a lot of workplace, um, uh, gaslighting that happens. Um, there's whole website forums just on, ga- uh, workplace, uh, abuse, but the idea that, you understand this event happening this way and a gaslighter will work to confuse it, manipulate it, or turn it back on you. So if there is a problem to be solved um, or something needs to be brought up uh, to, to have correction or anything like that, the, the blame, the shift all moves away from the gaslighter and on to the other person or the, to the group. So... Brian Reese, our former pastor mm-hmm. in Donnelly, I think he had an, just an incredible, simplistic picture of gaslighting. He used to talk about uh, certain kinds of people as a kind of person who would walk up and stick a knife in your belly and then get angry at you for bleeding on their floor. Yes. That's oh. gaslighting. Yes. Yeah. Um, and to such a point that you start feeling guilty for bleeding on the floor. I am floor. so sorry. I have this knife in me, but I'm going to go get a rag and I'm going to clean up that blood I for you. I didn't mean to bleed on your floor, yeah. right? Right. Um, 
yeah, it's 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 dark. Yeah. It's very dark. I actually have a hard time sometimes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm struggling with it right now because when you have been a victim of gaslighting, especially over a long period of time, um, it, it is really hard to articulate um, the experience. Um, but I will have a physical reaction from gaslighting, whether I see it on TV. There's a, uh, an Apple put out a new um, series is it the good morning show or something like that? The morning show. The morning yeah. show. And um, it is a classic uh, representation mm-hmm. of workplace um, gaslighting. And um, and watching that literally had my body in response because uh, because it takes you right back to what it was that you felt. So articulating it is really hard. Um Knowing the experience when I feel it um, is is really easy. Um, I started to process my my abuse um, in gaslighting. Um, I, I needed I needed to be able to work through this um, on a public platform because I was finding that I was kind of getting stunted in my messaging in in how I talk to people because I wasn't able to actually say, no, this is what this is about. Right. And so I started writing these um, little letters, these mini letters, letters to a gaslighter, and um, ended up putting them in a way that I could put on social media. And it was a bit risky for me because I was concerned that the person who gaslighted me would see these and you know, we'd Respond. start yeah. we, and we'd start this trauma all over again. Um, but, but what I found was, um, I never expected so much interaction. Um, so many DMS, so many, right. uh, Facebook messages, things that came through in response to, you know, scenarios that they're personally in around gaslighting, that people are resonating with this topic. And so what's coming to light for me is that this isn't just Jessica's personal experience with a gaslighter and abuse, but that this is um, actually, I think, a part of our culture in America. It's how we move up the ladder in the workplace. It's how we interact, how we get what we want. The customer's always right. You know, we walk in with this idea that we know we're right. We gaslight retail employees on a regular basis to get what we want out of the situation. Um, you know, that it's far more systemic as a culture. Um, and that's that's the part I'm realizing is coming out of this therapy I gave myself <laughs> to process my own. It wasn't just what you gave yourself. I mean, you you talked around this without actually naming it. For a long time, yeah. Um, yeah, in actual therapy. With yes, a yes. No, who I helped did. you immensely through this. Right. N- yeah. No doubt. Um, I've had multiple people on my path. Um, this was this was the mental health work that I did was right. through through this. Can I just say really quick too, because I, I don't want anybody to miss this, that what you have been putting out there, these mm-hmm. little mini letters that you're talking about, Facebook and Instagram, mm-hmm. um, I think are incredibly powerful, like incredibly powerful. I tell you all the time that I'm like blown away by them. I think they're just, I think they're poignant. I think they, they nail some of this, you know? Um, and I 
I mean, anybody out there who's listening right now should just go to your Facebook or Instagram page um, and just look for those that you've been putting out because they are they're incredible. I mean, really, you've you've done some incredible work here. I think it was a good platform for me to articulate their relationship. You did this. I did this. You know, like understanding it helped me to separate um, the storyline a bit so that I wasn't so muddled. There was a point, I remember a couple years ago, um, probably close to four years now, where I literally got in my car and I started to drive and I asked Siri to find me the closest mental health hospital or facility, something like that, because I was going to go just check myself in. And because I could not see up from down anymore. I had so lost myself in this that um, I was ready to just, I thought what sounded good in the moment was somebody actually putting a straight jacket on me and putting me in padded cell so I could stop hearing everything. You know, like just send me away. I have to get away from whatever this is. I couldn't identify it then. I didn't know this was pre, um, you know, therapy work, but it was, um, it was a scary place to be when you could not orient reality anymore. And, um, I, somewhere underneath, I knew I was smart. I knew I wasn't crazy, but everything, you know, um, around me was saying, I'm just going crazy. I'm just going crazy. I'm like, I'm, uh, maybe I have bad anxiety issues. Maybe, you know, and I was looking for all these answers. Right. Um, I didn't end up checking myself in anywhere because lo and behold, my mom calls me on my phone and, and encouraged me that I wasn't crazy. something we had to work through but I wasn't crazy and she just kept telling me that and so I turned the car around and I came back home and um, still didn't have the answers at that point but that was I I just remember I can remember exactly where I was driving in my car going I'm at the end I don't know what else to do I think it's important to state in like just in the context of that moment that um, uh, gaslighting can be very close to home too. Um, I was, um, I was guilty of, of some gaslighting in that time with you. Um, and this isn't the episode to really get into all of that. You know, we've been honest with people that we've been through some shit together, you know? Um, but it wasn't just like you were being, you know, gaslighted from outside spaces. I, Mm -hmm. you know, there were, um, and, and I think it's, I think it's important in the context of this to say that. 
because it wasn't until later that I named that for myself, that I was mm -hmm. complicit in that too. For me, you know, as someone who was gaslighting, I was making all kinds of excuses for why I was right, why, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, you and I have done a yeah. lot of hard work oh, yeah, to work yeah, yeah. through that and have been very upfront and, and honest with each other. We've, we've been to therapy together to mm -hmm. talk about that. It's something that, that we're very aware of now when we have conversations um, that, you know, we don't. I don't you know, think you were like a chronic gaslighter, somebody who did this in our relationship all along. I think we went through a period of time where it existed. Um, yeah. And that's why it it was, I think it was all inter intertwined w with a bigger picture. But it's, um, I, I'm kind of surprised you. I'm, I'm saying it because, one, it all doesn't have to be like an extreme outside mm -hmm. kind of force coming in. Right. It can happen in, in very, it can happen within your own home. Yeah. The other reason why I think it's important to state too is because I don't, I don't know that all gaslighters, <laughs> um, and maybe, maybe a lot of gaslighters don't really understand what they're doing, the, the, yeah, the harm right. that they're causing, the damage that they're causing. And, and it takes stepping back and looking at a situation and caring more about someone else than you do about being right. Um, and, and being humble enough to admit when you are actually wrong to not participate in gaslighting yourself sometimes, especially if you're a large personality like I am. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think there's, I, I would just say, you know, just in the, in the context of what you were just talking about, that there is, there is, there is, you know, you were, you were actually dealing with a couple of different sources of gaslighting mm -hmm. at the time. Um, and, and I, so there's that end of things of recognizing where it can come from. I, I think it's very important for people to be aware of this, to make sure that they're not unwittingly participating in it as I well. Agreed. I, I agree because I think um, we don't have a strong sense as a, society, as a society as to what gaslighting is. And that um, that's why I say I think it's so much a part of our culture that we don't often recognize it. Well, we don't have a strong sense of it, and I think in a lot of areas. But we were just talking you know, earlier this morning, too, when we decided to stop the conversation that there are a lot of, there's a lot of thought out there that gaslighting is not a real thing, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I think that's, I think it's, it's equal parts of not understanding it and denying it, yeah. denying that it actually exists at all. Which might be a gaslighting thing to do. It, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, deny a reality that actually is, um, I think what's uh, 
what I have come to find in the last couple of years is as I worked through dealing with gaslighting, um, coming back to reality for myself, I start to see it in other places. And one of those that I was seeing it was in um, programming. So Mm. um, whether that's, uh, we can say it's in political programming because we see it all over the place. It's like a huge tactic in in politics, but it's also, um, I think it exists strongly in faith structures, um, denying a reality that actually exists. Um, It's... um, yeah, I, I'm I'm struggling because I feel like I don't know how to give the examples of it. I think that's what my letters to to the gaslighter gaslighter were was an opportunity to um, dive into that interaction, the relationship that actually exists between the two. But the um, what I'm seeing play out right now, um, we we've we've heard this kind of float around for the last four years that uh, it's the great gaslighting of America, right? Um, Trump being um, president and how reality and truth is constantly... And this is where it gets political. Well, this is where it gets political, <laughs> but... I, I think incredibly appropriately and and intentionally so on our part because... Yeah, um, well, because I, I feel like we, we were all recipients of it the other night um, at the debate. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of anyone being proud of their um, uh, presence on that stage. Um, there was a lot of downfalls on everyone's part. Um, you know, we had a commentator who couldn't quiet the stage, just absolutely couldn't do it. Let's be, I mean, very clear. He couldn't quiet Trump. Yeah. Right. But um, but that was his role, was to organize this. He couldn't do it, just absolutely couldn't do it. And, uh, and then we have um, two personalities who are vying for the most important position of leadership in our country. And um, I got caught up in that moment. Um, of course, us as a family, we're sitting there seething over, you know, things that God said and, you know, responding to some of the ludicrousy that we were hearing and then I initially was really disappointed in Biden's responses and his lashing outs. But as the night went on in that debate, I also found something very physical happening to me in that moment. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of had to take a step back. And and I we were on social media at the same time kind of gauging what was being said. And you just felt like you were in this like, you know, like if you go to a carnival and you go into one of those um, those crazy houses and there's the mirrors everywhere and you can't really find which is the real you right. there. Right. You have all these images and some are distorted and some aren't, but you can't really find your way around. That's what that night felt like. Like, what am I actually seeing? What am I actually hearing? What is the truth of what's going on here? What's really being said Um, what's not being said, you know, there's just, there was so much processing that had to happen in that, that I've never experienced with a presidential debate before. And 
Let's just break down a few components of that, though, because I, I think it's really important because, again, this is political because of who we're talking about. But the intention is not to be political here. The intention is to say this is a great example. Right. 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 Um, so, you know, Trump's whole apparent, I don't know for sure, but apparent strategy was just to keep talking all night. That was his strategy. And to overwhelm his opponent with words. And just to not not give him two seconds to respond to anything, to make any statement of himself, whatever else. It was just a constant barrage, like an attack of words. Words, mm -hmm. words, words. Didn't matter what the words were. I mean, there was just some there was some fucking nonsensical shit that was hap that was being said. There was some flat out lies that were being said. Mm -hmm. There were, I mean, like, like stuff where like people are on, like, for instance, you know, I have the, the sheriff of Portland's full support. He's, you know, he just said he sides with Trump. There's the, the sheriff of Multnomah County, which is where Portland sits, uh, is like tweeting during the debate going, nah, -uh, nah, -uh. <laughs> you know, right. like, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like flat out, like it doesn't, truth doesn't even matter. Right. Like nothing else matters other than the agenda. And the agenda was to overwhelm, overwhelm his target with just I a nonstop think... barrage of, of just bullshit and flat out falsehoods and, and just not stop talking. I actually think that the agenda was um, one level deeper than that. I think that was how he got to the deeper level agenda. I think that the agenda was to confuse America and to ignite the True. buttons in Biden to a point to make Biden do and say things reactive. Which he did. That would bite him in the butt, which did. And this is, I, I had to sit back for a moment and go, okay, one, I, I really want to come into this debate as clear-headed as I can to really listen to what's being said on both sides, right? Right. I know who I'm voting for, so that's not where my thing is at. Like, oh, I'm going to watch this debate and see who I'm going to vote for. Um, because if that was the case, I'd probably book, book on it to another country right now. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be voting. Yeah, I, I, I would say it's pretty safe. Our minds are made up. Yeah, but <laughs> what... What I wanted to do is I wanted to hear what they really believed. I wanted to hear what they were really saying. When you get in a debate format, you have to answer questions on the fly. You don't get to write them or have someone write them for you. You have no to be ready. No right? No, yeah. And so that was what I was interested in. And what happened was that when you have someone who does that much talking – and, tw and just confusing the heck, wouldn't even stay on the same question for crying out loud. And then all of a sudden, Biden snaps, tells him to shut up. And, other, you know, he did several moments of just kind of snapping. And, um, and it was in those moments that I sat there and went, oh, that's what it is. Because when the world, the room starts spinning that much and you can't keep track 
of the words. You can't keep track of the sentences. You can't keep track of the facts that somebody's spewing out or so-called facts that are being spewed out. The room starts spinning and all you can do is want it to stop. Yeah. And Will you just shut up? Will just you stop. just shut up? And it's like, I, I know I, that's exactly what I felt every day. Will you just stop? Will you just stop and listen? Will you just stop for a moment and hear what you're saying? Will yeah. you just stop? I know it's not, I know it's not right what you're saying right now. I know it's not accurate. I know it's not true about me even. I know that I didn't do these things, but I can't think right now. Will I, you just stop? I can't catch my bearings. I don't know if I'm standing up or sitting down. I don't know if I am upside down or, to, or right side up. Like it is, it is chaos. And that is, that is the tactic of gaslighting is to create um, misdirection and chaos around reality. So the reality mm. that got painted... Yeah was exactly the reality that Trump has been painting for all of these years. If we just keep America confused, then they will forget about this thing over here and we keep moving in this direction because they're busy trying to sort out the facts. We have spent four years trying to sort out the facts. And what has happened while we're sorting out the facts? One, we never get the facts. And two, things have happened that have changed our country. So what happened on that stage was intentional to breed more chaos, not around Trump, because we got exactly what we expected around him. It was intended to breed chaos and misdirection around Biden, because if they could make him look bad that night, that played into the gaslighter's favor, right? That's how that works. The gaslighter needs the other person to come out looking worse than they do. So wow. So when we get done with this debate, what happens in the next 24 hours? Social media, news networks, you even turned on Fox News for shit's sake. And <laughs> totally did. I, I, I just wanted like, to see the other perspective. <laughs> I was texting a couple of friends and I'm like, you won't believe what he's doing right now. <laughs> I, I thought we had enough of this and then he turns this on. But I think it was actually really interesting because I you saw them spinning. They were spinning from what had just happened. Everybody could not get their bearings straight. They were scrambling to figure out what did I actually hear? What actually got said? What didn't get said? And there was there was a lot of judgment on Biden when this was over. Right. And I came away just feeling like, dude, I know how you feel. I know what you just went through. And the commentator, what he went through, like he he was a victim of this whole scenario as right. well. He was intended to be made chaotic as well, where he couldn't control this. Right. So we walk away from this over the last, has it been a week now? I don't even, see. We lose oh, it was just Tuesday. Dude, oh, frick. Um, it's Saturday today for anybody yeah. out there. And um, Oh, sorry, Sunday. So yeah. Less and than a week I, ago. I'm watching America 
go through this experience and everybody's trying to find the truth. And then he gets COVID and we get multiple stories from the White House as to time frames and what's happening. Everybody's contradicting each other. other. And I'm like, because they're doing it again. Because we're getting gaslighted again. Because what's really happening underneath are other things that are going on by other politicians um, that is mind-blowing. And we're not paying attention to it because we're trying to figure out if he actually has COVID or not. Right. So interesting enough, this morning we start to watch our recorded, because we didn't watch it last night, um, SNL, Mm -hmm. Saturday Night Live. And... uh, Premiered last night. Premiered last night in person, and we have the debate is the the leading skit. Alec Baldwin is is Trump, which he does so well. <laughs> Jim Carrey is Biden, which it's knocked just, it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and when these guys get on stage and they do their characters, they work to stay true to the character that they're in, rather than their political vent on what they think that right. character should be. But it's an it's a an exaggeration of that character, right? So it's over the top, of course. Right. Which doesn't take much these days because no, the debate not. was over the top in and of itself. But what was interesting to me, and I want to go back and I want to watch it again, but it's uh, that in Jim Carrey's um, uh, portrayal of Biden's end of the debate, he has Biden talking to himself don't do that. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't blow up. Take control. Okay. It's time to put the earphones in and listen to my calming music to get myself centered again. Like he goes through this whole thing and I'm like, he is tapping into the side of what it is to be a victim of gaslighting. They don't tell you what that's what they're doing, but that's exactly what they did in the skit. They played out the scenario for all the things that were going on behind the scenes in um, a gaslighting relationship. And I thought, this <laughs> if they didn't know what they were doing, they did a really good job at it. Yeah. But I think they yeah. probably knew what they were doing. And, um, and, and that's, I, what, that's what the purpose and the point of satire is, right? Right. Is to, to Call laugh out. and to make fun, but to point at the truth. Yes, and I think I think the skit did a really good job of um, portraying that that we were all confused as, you know, the next guy on what this what actually happened. All of this brought us to a conversation today of saying this is this is what we're headed into, and if we don't keep our heads on straight, we will get lost in the misdirection like we have been for the last four mm. years. And. We are so accustomed in American culture to gaslighting that we don't see it. So what do we do? That is the question, I think. So what do you say to your clients? I mean, what do you say when they identify that they are the victims of a gaslighting relationship where reality is being twisted in on them and it's crushing them. What, what do you say to them? Well, for one, we don't talk about gaslighting abuse first. It's something that's realized later. 
And what we end up talking about is them. So who are you? What do you like about yourself? Um, what's a value to you? List out the things that, the characters, the, the things in life that are the most value to you. Um, what do you love doing you haven't done in a long time? Um, what lights you up? What makes your heart sing? Why is that such an important component? Because it grounds us back to who we actually are versus who someone else is telling us we mm. are. Yeah. And, um, you know, watching the debate, there was a lot of things that Trump told Biden he was. And all of them have some little morsel of truth. Yes, you was have a Was and son- wasn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, he called out that he wears a mask all the time, but it did it in such an explosive and ridiculous way that it, that it would make anyone feel stupid for wearing a mask. Yeah. So, yes, it's a truth that he wears a mask, but is the truth that I should be. Right. And um, so bringing people back to who they innately know who they are, you have to strip away all of the things that communicate to a person what makes them who they are. So we take away what it is that maybe mom or dad said to you growing up or what your faith says you should be or what role you should be playing. Um, what kind of talents and giftings you have that people tell you you do or don't have. You have to strip away all the outside voices and start listening to, to you. Yeah. Um, and allowing that to be okay. Because in gaslighting abuse, you're told that what you think and what you feel is wrong, inappropriate, too much, not enough, um, and so you don't trust yourself anymore. So you don't stop trusting the gaslighter. You stop trusting you. Mm. There you go. See, I, I think I think one component of this, and you've experienced this, you've benefited from it, and you also now are a guide with others. Um, and that is that I think that I think that it's incredibly important to have help mm-hmm. um, because sometimes you get so deep in it yourself, you can't see up yeah. from down. And um, and I needed a therapist to do that. Yeah. The, the life coach work and the support systems came later. The initial part of this was therapy. I Yeah. Initially, I think you needed... I think you needed the team. Right. No, I did. I mean, the, the life coach, life coaching was incredibly important to you. Yeah. The therapy was incredibly important to mm-hmm. you. Uh, not tooting my own horn here, but, you know, once I got my shit pulled together, I have been incredibly right. important to you. Um, you. Other friends of yours have been mm-hmm. incredibly important to you. Friends that we have sat together talking about our story and they sit back and go, you know, that's really fucked up, Right. Yeah. And it's like in that moment, you're sitting back going, <gasps> like you're taking a breath from holding your breath for, for so, so long. long. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's, it's incredibly important to have help to be able to see through some of this. Now, in, in a personal context, that could be therapy, it could be life coaching. Mm-hmm. It could be a really close friend. Um, 
I honestly, and again, please just, you know, if people out there can just hear what I'm saying, um, I think that, uh, the church may be very helpful, but the church also has been known to kind of have an agenda in how mm-hmm. you think. And, and that's why I would say anybody who says you should be thinking this way, or you should have this kind of thought process may not actually be helping you no. because what you talked about just now is saying is, is you were asked those questions. What do you love? What do you enjoy? What lights your fire? What, you know, all those kinds of things. And you had to, like, you were guided to internally come up with that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's true because it comes out of you as opposed to being handed to you saying, this is what you should be thinking instead. Yeah. And I think that's really, really important. Please, anybody listening, don't overtake that to something that I'm, you know, <laughs> bashing clergy or anything like that. It's not the point. It's just, I think this is a very fine process. It has to come from within, right? It does because I think um, when you get, if you have been in a narcissistic uh, gaslighting abuse situation, um, you have lost sense of what agenda you actually have and what you actually believe. One of the things that I do talk about with my clients is that things that we do to um, survive things like this or just survive life in general, it doesn't have to be through abuse, but um, is that we fragment ourselves and we say that our spiritual life is over here, but our mental health life is over here and our physical life sits over on this shelf. And so if we keep playing this disconnect game, then you will need to continue to only have clergy deal with your spiritual life. And you will only need a therapist to deal with your mental health. And you will need a running coach to deal with your physical, right? You're going to need those three parts and they're never going to intersect and you're never going to get to the goal um, of wholeness. And so if we want to actually work through these things, I, I was listening, one of my favorite uh, therapists in this work um, is Dr. Hillary McBride. And it's because she so deeply believes that embodiment, full body experience of all of those um, parts of ourselves actually creates the ability to move through pain and come out to the other side, that we can work through crisis, that we can work through those things, but it takes all of those parts of us to do that together. So for me, um, it started with uh, things kind of falling apart in my life, but it, it started with sitting with a therapist going, I have so much anxiety, I just can't even breathe. I feel like I'm gonna like almost have a heart attack. Like I I can't breathe. And it started with breathing exercises to actually bring that adrenal response way back down on the scale. So then I have the ability to think again. Yeah. That was, that was before you could even begin to process an idea of what do I really care about? What really matters to me? That kind of thing. You couldn't even process that Mm -mm. because you couldn't fucking breathe. Couldn't breathe. I was in a constant state of fight or flight. And so all of my interactions with my gaslighter were in a fight or flight response, which is what you saw Biden doing on the stage. It was fight or flight. And so when your adrenal response... And Chris Wallace. I mean, the moderator also, both of them. Yeah. Right. And so when your response is sitting up in that nine or 10 or beyond uh, range of uh, of adrenaline surge, 
you, uh, you, you actually start to shut down parts of your body so that the body can simply survive. Right. So if we live in that state all the time, we will never be able to think outside of the abuse. We'll never be able to get outside of it. We have to bring... It never the, becomes about thriving. It is always surviving. Right. right. And so we, we come down into this um, space where um, the adrenaline has lowered and we get the ability to not protect our vital organs anymore. We get to actually engage the brain. We can breathe again. We're not surviving anymore. We can think through it. And so once I had done that initial work with the um, panic attacks and anxiety levels um, and living in that state and could learn how to, to move myself down the scale, then I could start to process what is happening here. And that's when, honestly, that's when my life coach came into the picture Um and there was a critical question that she asked me. Um, my life coach uh, um, really loves dancing. She just likes to dance, and this mm -hmm. is a, th and it's actually very therapeutic for her. It's something that she she does through anxiety, through different you know um, needs in her life, and and so she's talking about in the you know constantly on her social media, but also within our group that we were working with that uh, about dancing. And I finally, in a, I had a private call with her and I just said, this whole dancing thing, it's like mm -hmm. every time you bring it up, like I can't breathe. And, um, and I said, what's so crazy about this is that all the way up through high school, I danced. Like I was in dance groups. I danced yeah. in my living room. Like you just play music and you dance. Your body just moves. This is just part. I would have m identified it as a part of who I was. And... I had realized in that moment that it had been something like 25 years since I'd actually uh, engaged that part of me. And, um, and I realized this, this is a point where I have decided I am not a dancer. Because for me, dancing, particularly in this, the church environment, that sort of experience, this was something that was not for a pastor's wife. This was something that was not for a mom of kids who wants to raise their right. kids right. There are a whole lot of reasons that sit behind that. So my journey to get back to a place where I felt like I could just dance, just alone in a room, nobody else watching, couldn't do it until I got to Africa. Mm. And there was a there was a, a therapeutic dance time that we had that was uh, very freeing. Um, and allowed me to move into that space. But um, so I got to come back and tell my life coach, guess what? I danced. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we but that was coming back to something in myself that actually was true. But I had let a lot of structures, programming, people around me say, this isn't something you're good at. This isn't something you should be doing. Um, and uh but I'd listened to I'd listened to those really strong voices in my life for too long, and I had to start listening to me. What kind of coffee do I actually like to drink? Because I always ordered the one with the person I'm with. So if they ordered americano, I ordered americano. Right, right. You know, because there was something mm, in that, uh, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So actually being able to say what it is that I liked, what it is that I wanted. If I were to dream outside of any other person in my life, what would I dream about? Um, 
those are things. Uh, I was a writer my entire life. So I had writing contests and I was going to school to for journalism. And, and then I get into this, you know, this job that says you can do these things, but you can't write. We're going to give that to somebody else to do. Well, why, why, why can't I write that? Because you're not a writer. You can't do that part. And it's like, okay, so then the identity, identity is you're not a writer. I stopped blogging for probably eight years during that time because I was not a writer. Because I'd somehow along the way believed a lie that I didn't know how to write. Um, so now I'm coming back to that. It's rusty. <laughs> And it, it's going to take some work to get back to that space that's good for me in writing. But um, but I was encouraged the other day by one of my podcast guests that um, you're a writer if you write. That's simple. Right. So, um, but. I think it's, I think it's really important that, um, that. That people understand, and and we've kind of gone through a journey of this in different ways. Your your gaslighting experience and my gaslighting experience have been very different, um, mm -hmm. um, but but we have both recognized where we have both experienced it. And I, and I think it's it, the reality is it's that common. Mm -hmm. I really believe that it does it's that happen common. on. It, um, it does happen I, on a group environment too. It right, collective. Right, and it, so. One, there's the professional help end of things, you know, therapy, life coaching, you know, that sort of thing. I think there's the, um, uh, by the way, we are not claiming to be experts in any of this. We're Gosh, talking no. about personal experience that we've had. And your life coaching practice doesn't. Is not therapy. No. And you make that very clear to your clients that like you can walk them through your experiences in this and you can give them tools that they can use to move on, but there may be things they have to deal with that only therapy can help mm -hmm. with. So just to Absolutely. make that really clear. Um, so, and then there is the help. There's the community aspect of it. Those that love you and support you, that can help look at you and to kind of grab you by the chin and look in your eyes and say, why are you saying that? That isn't you, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you are more than this. Don't take that shit on. They're full of shit. You know, you know, that's fucked up. Right. And that was our, our friends over and over again said that. Right. Right. I think on a, um, on a, uh, a countrywide scale, you know, possibly even a global scale. I think we are all collectively being gaslit today. Right. Um, and, and I think it's important for, for us to be able to stand up and say, whoa, Time out. You, you know that's fucked up, right? <laughs> you know, to to not, and it's and it's like you said before too. It's not about disbelieving the gaslighter. It's about or not or not distrusting the gaslighter. It's about trusting yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's so important. Like during this current political thing that's going on right now, is to. To trust yourself and say, that's not right. Yeah. The, the constant barrage of just whatever flies out of his mouth, you know, mm -hmm. the constant barrage that just 
flies out of those who are um, who, who are his spin doctors, right? I just saw, I'm not going to name any names here, but I'm just going to say, I just saw there was a court case that was, that was settled against a prominent news outlet, in particular, a prominent personality on that news outlet that literally this was the, this was the verdict. All right. Are you ready for this? The verdict was they are not guilty because nothing they say should be trusted. Therefore, they can't be guilty of spreading, of mm. manipulating truth when there's nothing they say that is true. Yeah. It's all mistruth. That was about a, a prominent news personality on a prominent news network today. Okay, that was all the ranting that you're going to get from me right now. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we have to be able to find that community of people, like you were talking about us, you know, going and grabbing beers with the Addingtons, right? Mm -hmm. And we just and we just talk and we just, you know, and that community of people that just says we're not crazy, right? Yeah. Like, like this is really fucked up, right? I mean, it's not just me, right? You know that. This isn't okay, right? And it's that, it's that, it's that group of that community of people. And and for some, you, you may not be able to find it personally, mm -hmm. especially with all the COVID restrictions today. Maybe there's maybe there's things in your life that keep you from from being able to connect with another human being, you know, in a face to face kind of manner or something. So maybe it has to be an online community or something. That's okay. Just so long as there's there's some kind of community that's forming around that that's just saying it's okay to question this, right? I mean, we're not crazy for thinking that uh that that masks are kind of just like a basic thing that we can do, right? I mean, we're not crazy for that, right? I mean, it's 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 okay to to just to to wear a mask because we just think that's like like the most basic thing we can do to to protect others and to protect ourselves from from this current uh, pandemic that's going on. I mean, having a community around us that's like, uh, yeah, of course, of course it's okay. Of course, if if some you know if someone else wants to make a whole big thing about not wearing a mask. They're over there. They're they're not that that's not common reasoning. You're you're not you're not ridiculous for holding. You're not Joe Biden. You're not ridiculous for wearing a mask when you go out in public. Don't don't take that bullying. Don't take that. It now. I I wish that Joe Biden would have just said. This is so ridiculous. We're just going to ignore it. And I'm just going to talk to the American people. I'm just going to answer the questions. I'm just going to talk to the American people. And, and like you said, some things got to him. I don't fault him for it. You know, I think it shows his humanity. Um, but at the same time, I think it would have been, I would have loved to have seen him not say, will you just shut up, man? Even as fun as it was. And as much as everybody got a kick out of it, you know, not everybody, but uh, you know, mm -hmm. those that aren't in that camp got a kick out of it. 
I, I think that is the, the, the place that I desire to get to and the place I desire others to get to is a place where we just go, all right, all right, time out. That's so fucking ridiculous that we're just going to move on with our lives. And it's just going to become the chattering in the background. I completely agree with you on that larger collective space. But I will say that on an individual level, that when I called my gaslighter out, I was questioned on my own personal values. And I was questioned on my loyalty to the friendship. And I was questioned on things that had yeah. nothing to do with the thing that I said yes or no to. And it makes you feel crazy. And I know that Biden should have been the kind of person who can stand up to that. When I look at a world leader, God, I want somebody who can actually stand up to Trump. Personality, right? To stand up to something and be able to not succumb to it. We really, really want that. But you said this morning something I thought was really profound. And I would keep this in mind when you witness what we witnessed in the debate and when you witness people in your work environment experience it, when you witness it in your home. You said, you don't have to, how did you say that? You don't have to, you don't have to be weak to be abused. Hmm. And just because Biden responded the way he did doesn't mean he's weak. Um, it's because um, hmm. my world my work life, I was made to look like I was incompetent, em emotional, strung out, um, crazy, um, not a valuable position, all kinds of things does not mean I was weak. In you, fact, you not. in fact, I think it is uh, why gaslighters do this. They do this with strong people because they themselves are weak. They don't know how to have a conversation that allows for give and take and disagreement and agreement. They don't allow for shifts of power. They don't allow for collaboration. Mm. So when we talk about Biden being weak in that moment, we might have to rethink what we actually believe weak is. So strong for me was walking away. I know not everybody has the opportunity, the ability, the the ability yeah. to do that. So if you're someone who is in friendship at, or co-working or any of those things with a person who is starting to say things to you about being part of a gaslighting relationship, all you have to say is, I believe you. Do you know what I love about you? I love the fact that you're the first one to remember everybody's birthdays here at work. I love the fact that um, when somebody is hurting, you are so quick to sense it and you move into it and you're not afraid of it. Mm. You know, we find the things that we see in them that are innately them, that aren't about their performance, that aren't about their mental stability or incompetency or the other things that get called out, but they're about who they genuinely are. 
the things that they could honestly be proud of being. Um, that when they're not even trying, they're doing that thing. They're caring for community members. They're, um, you know, you know them. And tell them, I believe you. And start speaking truth into them. Um, or start asking them to speak their truth out loud. Because that's where it's going to change is when we stop believing the lie. The tactic of gaslighting and narcissism is misdirection and lying. Yeah. This has been a lot. Yeah. I, um, I think this is, uh, this is such, (laughs) what? I I think this is a good place to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was getting to that, but I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) I, I, what I was going to say is that, um, I think this is a, a really critical conversation right now. Um, I think that for, on two avenues, one, I think that, um, obviously we have a lot of stake at stake as a country right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, there's decisions being made. There's, you know, choices being made about who I'm going to support, who I'm going to, you know, throw my vote to all that kind of stuff. And I think it's important for people to really, to just step back and just say what is real right now. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a part of that. This conversation is a part of that. I think on a, on a personal level, I think that um, this is an an area of awareness that is growing more and more every day, and and that people need to identify where gaslighting is happening in their own lives, whether it's to them or whether they are participating in it, mm-hmm. and find a way to put an end to it. Um, because it, uh, because of, of what it does, uh, mm-hmm. because of the, I mean, the real consequences of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I you know, I, <laughs> I just kind of gush on you a bit because of, you know, the work that you're doing right now with others in this area, I think is incredible. Um, I think you're, the thoughts that you're producing right now are incredible. I think that they're for everyone. Um, and I, um, I want people to go, you know, I I guess we should say this. If, if, if anybody listening feels like they are dealing with this personally themselves and they don't know what to do, they should contact you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have a, you have a life coaching business that is specifically targeted at women. Mm -hmm. Um, but you would be happy. Any guy that contacted you, you would be happy to point them in a, in, in a yeah. direction too. Um, I think that's pretty safe to say. Um, yeah. and so and if I, you're in Spokane, I have a great local therapist, um, yeah. that I would recommend, but also, um, there is a lot of really great information out there, podcasts, um, yeah. Yeah. Tapping, tapping into really, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Educated, um, arenas for this is really important. Yeah. Um, it's, come to light for me that I, I've looked into it for myself, for my own healing process, but it's time for me to dig deeper and, um, come, come to the table with more resources for other people as well. So, um, that, 
that is in my wheelhouse right now too. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, we just want to see, we want to see people whole and healthy and not, um, not in the fog of this. I mean, it's the fog is brutal, right? Yeah. Um, so that's, and that's part of the reason why we, we decided we need to talk about this today because it's, it's like front and center right now. It is. Um, and also, um, we had just been stuck in the same pattern of drinking the same thing over and over again. And I needed to find another recipe. So we needed to do another episode so I could look up a unique drinking recipe. That's why we do this? I mean, we can't say it's not why we do this. Okay. <laughs> uh, we do find ourselves saying, though... Well, we should try, we should get these ones. We haven't tried these yet, and we'll save them for a podcast and try right. them on the podcast. So yeah, we can yeah. talk to you about it. It's a, it's <laughs> a fun part of how this whole thing started. Yeah. Of course, it's a, it plays a part. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it has its place. Yeah. <laughs> I just, um, I, I, again, I, this, this podcast has become so much more than I ever anticipated it would be. Um, I'm starting to have some glimpses at what it could continue to be. Um, And it's just part of the, it's one of the the favorite parts of us that I have right now. I just, I love, Mm. um, I love having these conversations with you. We have these conversations, like, like literally this is, this is not bullshitting everybody out there. We literally have conversations like this all the time. Yeah. We just record some of them. Yeah. I found this one difficult though. Because I am, I think this is the hard part about gaslighting, but I am trying to come up with the examples and the scenarios and the the situations. And I'm finding that um, it's still difficult for me to articulate. It's still close enough to home and it it does mean it calls people out. So, um, yeah, this one one was tough. Wow. We'll have some private conversations afterwards, and we'll keep working through stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, we really should call it right now, because yeah. I got to go to the bathroom real bad. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Until next time. Until next time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you.